be perfectly fine. Fine. Okay, fine. 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 You're listening to Everything is Fine in Southwest Washington, a political podcast where we recognize that everything is not at all fine and discuss what we can do about it. I'm Carissa. And I'm Sydney, a.k.a. Evelyn. All right, guys. Today we're doing a climate change episode, which is going to be part of a series I don't know that we have a number for the series, but this is going to be part one. Um, they could be infinite. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very big subject. I guess should say Sydney here. And Carissa. I'm Carissa. And this is going to be kind of a quick and dirty debunk all those climate myths that you might hear around your Thanksgiving table. We all have an aunt or an uncle or a dad um, that likes to spout some untruths uh, around the table after maybe a few too many glasses of wine or something. <laughs> and so we took some suggestions from listeners of things that they've heard before. And we just want to give you like some background, some quick ways you can kind of rebut those things when you hear them. Yeah. And um for those of you who don't know, Sydney is a climatologist. So if you just yeah. want to like go over your credentials since we are talking about science. Definitely. So I am an atmospheric scientist. I trained in both climatology and meteorology, which is um, usually people are one or the other. I actually teach both of those at the collegiate level. And so I think that gives me some <laughs> some ability to answer <laughs> these. <laughs> um, and I think... So one of the things I use in my classroom is I use the Socratic method when broaching new ideas or probing existing thoughts uh, that my students have that might differ from my own. So the Socratic method um, is from Socrates, Socratic. And so the first step of that is you listen. So if you hear somebody listening to what they have to say, no matter how crazy it sounds to you, <laughs> uh, just listen to that and reflect that back to them once their thought is complete. And then ask for them to refine their, their thought process. Ask for evidence. Ask why questions. Like, well, why do you think that? Or where did you hear that? Um, and then if they say, you know, I heard it on, you know, Ben Shapiro, you can be like, well, what, why do you think he's the authority? Or what makes him qualified? Or, um, but it ideally prevents it from turning into a fight. And you're not trying to win an argument at this point. You're just really trying to probe their thought process and potentially poke holes in it. So you refine it, ask these questions, why questions, and then ask them to restate if they've changed their mind or how that changes things. And then you kind of start the process over again. And so ultimately, especially if you're around a Thanksgiving table, I think that's a much better way to handle it than you're so dumb, like, and just getting mad. Yeah, I wish um, I would have known this like 10 Thanksgivings and Christmases ago. <laughs> You know, I can, <laughs> better late than never. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I can say this all I want, and at my Thanksgiving table, I still say you're so dumb. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't, you know, really help me. So, but maybe it will help you. <laughs> so that's our attempt today: is to kind of make those conversations around climate a little bit easier for you. All right. So we're just gonna jump into some myth busting here. Oh, should we define climate? Excuse first? me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so let's get that. Some people might not know this. Some people, if you, when you're in this discussion, you might not know this. So climate isn't the same thing as weather. Weather is the condition of the atmosphere over a short period of time. And climate is the average over a particular period of time, many years. So climate is like a bunch of mini weathers. 
And the visual I like to use is the climate is, say you're walking your dog, your dog is the weather. Your dog is all over the sidewalk, sniffing, sniffing back and forth, right and left, up and down. And you're just walking straight down the sidewalk. You're the climate. You ultimately go the same path, but it, what, there's quite a bit of variation in that daily weather. So that's really, and you can, I can have a visual we can put up if that's helpful. So climate is the human, the weather is the dog. And that's basically it. Climate is over hundreds of thousands of years and weather is generally seven to 10 day trends. It's really easy to understand. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now we're going to jump into myth busting. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably one many of you have heard before. So Earth goes through cycles and this is just a warming cycle that we're going through, right? Earth does go through cycles. That's absolutely correct. As is the case with most of these myths, there is a kernel of truth in them. Absolutely, the planet has warmed and cooled over geologic time. And generally, when people are talking about cycles, they're talking about Milankovitch cycles. So Milankovitch cycles is the tilt of the Earth on its axis, like toward or away from the sun. And it's minimal, and the cycle overall takes 41,000 years. So to say that we're in, we're feeling the impacts of a Milankovitch cycle is a basic misunderstanding of geologic time. So the changes we're seeing on earth have happened over the last hundred to 120 years. Geologic time is hundreds of thousands of years for these changes to occur. So this is human cost. <laughs> so I would just, if I were say using the Socratic method and I won't do this with every myth, but I would ask, well, what kind of cycle, what is it? You know, there's also sun cycles that are shorter than a Milankovitch cycle, but again, that's geologic time. Um, and at that point, they probably don't have an answer, but you know, it's, it's, it's good to ask, like, <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? See what they think. Yeah, yeah. And say, that's absolutely true. So geologic time is quite robust. Whereas a human lifetime is um, not even a dot on a geologic time graph. So to say this is that kind of cycle when we're seeing the type of warming we're seeing in this short period of time is just patently false. Wonderful. So why did it change from global warming to climate change? So seems sus. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so global warming is, it's, it is global warming. That's what we're seeing. We switched from calling it global warming to calling it climate change because the climate, so the globe is an intricate web and not all places feel that warming the same. Warming causes variation in the amount of water vapor in the air and temperature differences between the equator and the poles. Uh, the poles warm much faster than the equator. So you're not going to feel warming everywhere. Warming of the overall climate is going to cause changes in variation in our global climate patterns. So you're going to see greater precipitation in places where there never were. You're going to see less precipitation um, in places like large swaths of Africa right now in, you know, Oklahoma in our own, you know, like Midwest area where we're seeing drought. So you're just going to see climate changing. So things that we've depended on for a long time over geologic time, snowpack that we depend on that snow melt then for our water in the spring, that's all going to change. So to call it warming is simplistic if you don't understand the intricacies of climate and all the things that influence it. So global, war global warming is accurate. Climate change is also accurate. 
and climate change better depicts what the human experience is going to be in a warmer climate, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, how about this? So as most of us know, plants need carbon. So isn't more carbon in the atmosphere good and just going to create more green space and more trees? And um, yeah. So if we're talking about just plants, plants do like carbon. Certain plants like carbon more than others. So for example, and I'm going to get really specific because this is a much bigger question that we can go into later. Um, but yes, noxious weeds, for example, love carbon. And our crops don't necessarily love carbon as much. So if you're a farmer, you have far more weeds and less, you know, less of your crop that you count on for your economic stability and to feed people. So you're using more chemicals that cost you more money and having more weeds and lower crop yields. So yes, some plants do, but it's not just all good because plants like carbon. Okay. Yeah. And so those plants aren't going to, or, you know, like they're not going to sequester all the carbon that we're no, putting well, up there. Definitely correct? not. That's okay. impossible. So yeah. it's not going to like even out no. in some kind of way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Cause I've, I've heard this before too. Um, how about, oh, that's right. So, um, dealing with climate change is going to hit poor people the worst if we do any sort of regulation, um, yeah. taxation, what, what, whatever. So taxes aren't the only way to address climate change and to really address it properly. Corporations will feel that impact, not poor people and not regular American people, unless you're a corporation. And I know corporations are people, my friend, but <laughs> that's actually not the case. Um, and if you look at it on a global scale, and I know Americans have a hard time with that, that the poorest people on our globe are going to feel and already are feeling the greatest impacts. And also the poorest people in our country already feel those impacts in various ways. And we can do a whole episode on impacts and why, you know, yeah, why the impacts are not evenly distributed. It's very Especially when they contribute the least they contribute to the, the emissions least and, and then they impact take the, the, hit, the hardest. Exactly. And there are ways to structure addressing the issue that would boost those communities as well. If it just has to be thoughtful. Yeah, it just has to be done the right way, which uh, doesn't seem to be... <laughs> <laughs> we can dream because for yeah <laughs> there's a way to do it right yeah okay um how about um climate change is not a problem for us right now it's a future issue we can keep putting this off right <laughs> i hear that most from people that are older talking to mm -hmm. people that are younger which i am i take personally it's like your future doesn't matter or you can deal with this kind of thing mm-hmm this um, is your problem, even though we yeah, contributed but, to this problem. Yeah. But it's really all of our problem, right? Yeah. Climate change, we're seeing record storms now. So one thing climate change does is it we're seeing greater, uh, more stronger hurricanes that move slower. So that means when they make landfall, they dump a whole lot more water and cause a whole lot more damage. So that's just one thing. We're seeing these big hurricanes. How many hurricanes have hit Florida in the last like three weeks? And guys, hurricane season should be over. It should, it ends October 30th. So we've got hurricane after hurricane, but the season's over and the season didn't start until August. And it's supposed to start much earlier than that. So you're seeing again, a change in that climate we're so used to. It's, we're so used to it. We have a set season 
And we have an extended wildfire season that... Oh, yeah. The wildfire season doesn't end now. Yeah. It's year-round. Um, so it it is a problem for us right now, especially if you live in one of those areas. We have a huge drought in the middle of the country. Uh, there's problems with water in the Colorado River. We don't have enough water. The federal government is actually demanding that these states come up with a plan to manage the water or the government will have to. Um, in Southern Oregon here, you have big fights over water rights between the tribes and the farmers down there. Um, we are already seeing climate refugees out of Africa. You're seeing climate refugees out of um, South America, Central America, up toward us. You're seeing climate refugees, you know, coming into Europe from, you know, Northern Africa because there's crop failure, because their animals are dying. We're seeing in Africa right now, their drought is so bad that the zebras might go extinct. Like these are things that, you know, we never thought we'd see in our lifetime. Uh, one example that just happened is we had a bunch of snow crabs. The whole snow crab season was canceled. And guess what? That's the climate impact disrupting our food supply. Like you can call it anything else you want, but that's. Mm -hmm. And so if you're worried about the price of groceries, the price of food, disruptions in our food supply that are out of our control because the climate has changed, that's happening right now. So unless this is your last Thanksgiving, you know, you're <laughs> feeling the effects in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if it is your last Thanksgiving, maybe you didn't get any snow crab this year and that'd be terribly sad. <laughs> so it's definitely a problem for now. And even if we address it now, we're not going to, it's not like it's over. You know, mm -hmm. it takes a long time to address it. It takes a long time for the climate to stabilize again. We need to address it as soon as possible. Sorry, that was long-winded. Good luck saying that at your dining table. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great, though. I mean, like, hopefully that question is, is, yeah, hopefully that's, like, fading out because it just, it seems so obvious even to the layman these days that and things are changing, you know. Yeah, and you're now seeing when these big storms happen, their newscasters are using the word climate change where for so long that was unheard of. So it's normal, at least. So um, this one is kind of... <laughs> what we already covered a little bit. It's something we have seen on the Senate floor, so we could talk about it. Um, yeah, so it's just the idea that, um, you know, it's colder on the same day today than it was last year. Doesn't that totally disprove um, climate change? Or like, oh, the Rhine River was drier in 2018 than it was, uh, you know, this year. And doesn't it just do that? Isn't that just normal? How can that be climate change if, uh, if there's these fluctuations happening? Yeah. So it just means that maybe that fluctuation is going to be normal, or maybe you've just had a few, you know, a wonky weather season in 2018 or this year. The point is we don't evaluate anything, any one event. It's hard to attribute to climate change. You look at the trend and you can attribute that to climate change. And there's a whole sector of science called attribution science, where you can look at an event like a storm, things like that, and directly attribute how much worse it was based on climate change. So I'm just really cautious saying this is exactly because of climate change, but we're seeing drought increase in areas where it hasn't historically all over. Um, or like things like flooding. We have names for floods, a 100-year flood, a 500-year flood, where you're having a 500-year flood every year, and that's never happened as long as we've kept record then that's probably climate change. I'm pretty, pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a big one. I've heard this often. I'm sure listeners have too. So um, 
aren't EVs, they are oftentimes or most of the time just powered by coal or dirty fossil fuels anyways. Um, when you plug that in, um, you know, your electricity is coming from dirty energy. Um, so therefore, there's no difference in emissions reductions between <laughs> EVs and combustion vehicles, correct? So, of course, that's dependent upon where your energy is sourced in your region. Um, I also, like, don't, I don't advocate for people to sell their combustion engine vehicle if it's still in working proper order and to buy a new electric vehicle. Um, I We need to reduce waste. And so if you have a functioning, you know, combustion engine vehicle that's not like a big diesel gas guzzler, if it's, you know, a Honda Accord from 2010 that gets you 40 some miles to the gallon, um, it's better if you use it until the end of its life and then invest when you're going to purchase an electric vehicle or whatever the, you know, if there's something better at that point, I mean, it'll be electric, but it might be better technology electric. So there is something to be said for the emis emissions associated with creating a brand new thing that Correct. didn't need to be created yes. just so you can swap it out and, and feel, feel a little better. Bit better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like I drive a hybrid and it's, you know, a 2012 and I'll drive it till the wheels fall off and then I will replace it with an electric vehicle. But I don't get on people like you should, you know, sell your combustion engine and buy an electric car right away because that's kind of defeats the purpose. But if you are in the market for a new vehicle, you know, here in our area, 90 plus percent of our electricity comes from hydro. It's very clean. And the fact that some places don't have a clean energy grid, uh, number one, I used, to, we have an electric vehicle also where we did, and we had solar panels on the roof of our home and we could charge our car and that worked out. But that's a reason to push your city or your state for community solar projects and to green up their grid. It's not a reason to not invest in that going forward. Because if you're in the position to purchase a new vehicle and you have the choice of an EV or a combustion vehicle, to buy a new combustion vehicle now is just foolish. Um, the other benefit of EV over gasoline is we're seeing that gas is very, very volatile. Um, you know, we're at the whims of MBS in Saudi Arabia and OPEC more generally. And gas prices leave you vulnerable to fluctuations in that market, whether that's a war or just uh, whims of a, you know, what's the right word for him? <laughs> Vindictive prince, maybe. <laughs> so regard, there's a lot of reasons to invest in a new EV um, and to purchase a gas guzzler or a combustion engine now is uh, foolish and not thinking about the future, especially considering, you know, a lot of, um, car companies are saying they're not going to produce anything other than EVs after 2030. And some states, including ours and California, are no longer going to sell brand new combustion engine vehicles after 2030. So if I was buying a new car, I'd buy an EV. And then if you're concerned about that impact on the environment from your grid, that's a good reason to push for things like community solar and other sources of energy, because this isn't an individual problem to solve. This is a community problem. Um, are EVs just like generally more efficient? Absolutely. People often will say like the minerals needed for the EV batteries. So interesting new research paper just dropped. We're in the middle of COP27. So you're getting a bunch of new research. Um, the upstream emissions associated with, a, with gas production. So producing that gas that fuels your vehicle 
uh, are larger than those that are embedded in minerals and the battery production for EVs. So I'll repeat that again. The upstream emissions are more to produce the gasoline required to fuel your combustion engine than the upstream emissions required to you know, mine those minerals and produce that battery. So if you're looking at emissions from that perspective, what goes into creating that vehicle, there are more emissions to power and create a combustion engine vehicle than an EV. I mean, we can always do better. Like the argument mm-hmm. that that there are emissions associated with an EV, but they're less than a combustion engine is not an argument to not make that switch. Like yeah. something is, you know, if they told you this medication is going to work 10% better, 20% better, 30% better than the one you're on. And you're like, I'm really going to wait for the cure. I'm okay. <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't really make sense. So again, don't go buy a new one and, you know, consume unnecessarily. But if you're making that decision, yes, go with an EV for all these reasons. It is just patently better. Yeah. And this just touches on like how, which we'll expound on this too, but like how no one is necessarily just advocating for us to, we all just need to switch to EVs. Everybody just has single passenger vehicles and then we're going to solve the climate crisis. So definitely not. Like, yeah. EVs aren't the entire answer. And um, yeah, those those kind of gotcha questions are bothersome just because they're not like looking at the whole yeah. the whole problem in the way it needs to be looked at. But yeah, we're, we'll dive further into that um, as the series goes on, I'm sure. Yeah, it's not without public transportation. I don't think we see a viable way out of this, but that also doesn't mean there isn't a valid reason to have a single person vehicle like and no one's going to take that away from you either. No, <laughs> I don't think like, anybody's like suggesting. No, we that's just not part of the solution. Everybody. Like I, it's I'm, more about design and exactly right? and making yeah. it like pleasant to do that. Like if you have a child, or I take care of a grandparent, I take my dog with me everywhere. You can't really do those things on public transit. Mm-hmm. So you have to be mindful of the way people live. You know, and so I think, yeah, we're not advocating for give up your car. It's not you know burn that combustion engine and yeah, get on the bus. Like, yeah. Walk no. down the street in the cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more complex than that. Yeah. So don't let him tell you that at the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, a common, a common, uh, myth, <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's semi-true. An, okay. An accusation. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's the right? Yeah. <laughs> so solar and wind aren't viable because they are dependent on the sun being out. Um, and the wind being the wind blowing. Yeah. Blowing. <laughs> yes. So, the wind being wind. <laughs> <laughs> so storage should be a, a primary focus, but right now we move electricity throughout our grid and it's not necessarily constant either. You know, we, manipulate how much water moves through the dam people who burn and you know coal-fired power plants that's not consistent all the time either that's just another you know i've heard a sp- marjorie taylor green i'll be specific say like well when the sun goes down what where do you get your power well there's a whole grid that moves energy and that's just because the sun goes down doesn't mean you don't have power <laughs> especially at a big like if you're thinking about just a house if you're talking about a, at a municipal level or a state level or a regional level like that's part of the problem with Texas is that their energy grid is totally cut off from the rest of the country. We're a nation. Well, I think there's actually two East coast, West coast, and then Texas is their own. So right, they're being yeah. cut off from the rest of our grid. 
Like, that's why you see, like, they're like, we run out of energy when it's cold. Like, you know, it's too hot. Everybody's roasting in their house or whatever. Ted Cruz is like, I'm off to Cancun, bitches. <laughs> like, that's because their grid is cut off. That's not the case in the rest of, of the country. So to act like, oh, the sun goes down. What do we do? No, we do what we do now with energy. Like, So it's a non-issue, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, oh, how about this one? The United States, we're not the problem. China's the problem. They're the biggest emitters. And the United States is not culpable for anything. So the United States is culpable. China is the biggest emitter. Uh, so is India and Brazil and many other countries. And so when people say this to me, I always say, okay, so my first question is usually, what is the harm if we address climate change? And China is still emitting. Isn't that still a net reduction? <laughs> it's still improving. And there we can get into all the benefits of addressing climate change on a personal level, on a local level in our country, how it just makes life better. It reduces, you know, asthma rates and all kinds of amazing things it can do. And the other question I ask is there was an industrial revolution and who led the way? It was America. And that led us to being the superpower that we are. And there's going to be a green energy revolution and we can be leaders in that and maintain and people that love America. America's the best. Why would we let China take the lead on this? And isn't there something to be said for like our trade deals and us outsourcing? I'm not an expert on this, but, you know, outsourcing our, you know, factories to China. And they, that just happens to be where the emissions happen. But it's to benefit our corporations ultimately. Yes. Yeah. Like we buy all this shit from China. Yeah. And like <laughs> we have all this stuff that came from China. So we we made we China a superpower to, with our purchasing. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're part of those emissions because we are consuming yeah. those products that were absolutely made use. Yeah. But yeah. the argument usually that works with people who are like, we need to be great. You know, why would we let yeah. China kick our ass? <laughs> is uh, the other thing I talk about too is there. Try to use the America first. It, spin yep, you have it, to. Depend, yeah. Depending who you're talking to um, at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Definitely. Like I, that's usually I use, you know, cause talking about global supply chains and exploiting labor in China and our trade-off with China to make them a global superpower so we could get their cheap shit. And then we give them our technology and all these arrangements we've made with them. That's a whole bag of worms. That's... And they're going to be like, the Democrats did that. Exactly. You have to assume <laughs> they're not wrong. Thanks, Bill Clinton. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... Third way. Yeah. yeah. So I think my big focus when people are like, China's the problem. China's the biggest emitter. We cannot um, compete economically if we if we act and China doesn't. That's not true. There's going to be so many patents. There already are. China is selling solar panels for less than it costs them to make them. Um, China also has their Belt and Road Initiative where they're flexing power globally by building infrastructure. And a lot of that's infrastructure to help with, you know, make, to facilitate trade. But the U.S. could flex our power like, hey, we'll transition you. We're a superpower. Get those patents, do the research, have the best of the best and lead the way in the green energy revolution, just like we did in the industrial revolution. So that's my argument at the Thanksgiving table. Now, if we're in a bunch at a DSA meeting, that's going to change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But <laughs> you got to use the the angles that will work. Definitely on who you're talking to. Yeah, definitely agreed. Um, oh yeah, how about this? Um, you know, plants, animals, humans. We've been around for a while. We've adapted. Aren't aren't we just going to adapt to this just like we always have? So. The planet will adapt. 
plants will adapt. Most animals will adapt. When I say most, like maybe 60%. Humans are very delicate little flowers. <laughs> we like a very specific temperature. We have very specific water needs. We have food needs and preferences. We're very delicate. So when people say like, we're killing this planet, I always say, no, we're not. The planet's going to be fine. It's going to shake us off. We're the yeah. virus. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, we're going to have food insecurity, wars over water. It's going to be a pretty dystopian, hellish existence if we're just like, yeah, screw it. Let's just go with this. So the animals, you know, we're in a six mass extinction with them, but they'll get through it just like they have uh, historically. Plants will be fine. Humans, not so much. So that's kind of my like, yeah, you're right. Human race, meh, we're just, we're the symptom or not the symptom, excuse me, we're the virus. And yeah. And yeah, it's like, so maybe some humans will survive, but some people seem to think it's like, it's going to be a comfy existence. It's definitely not. <laughs> and like, if, if it's not gonna be how many people are on the planet now? What are we at? 8 billion? Just to 8 billion. Yeah. Yeah. If there's like 400,000 left, like that's a net win. No, it's not like <laughs> this isn't hunger games or like, you know, we're not trying to. <laughs> and like, yeah. And the odds for you, yeah. whoever you are, like one person out of that, like aren't looking so hot. Not looking dude. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, maybe. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. You're willing to risk that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, how about this one? This is a, this is a good one. Um, I think a lot of the sentiment um, when people talk about climate change is that just like humans, humans are inherently bad for the environment. We like, yes, we are human activity is, is what's <laughs> causing this, but have humans always lived in like, what's the word? Um, Cohesion? Yes. Like, have they like ever synergistically? Lived? Yes. Yes. Yeah. With, yes. Do we belong so, here? Yeah. <laughs> So if you're asking, can we live here and not destroy the earth? Yes. So then my question back, if I'm using my own method, not my method, but the method I prefer is, well, are we talking about humans over the last 120 years or how long have humans been on this planet? And then that causes some thought mm -hmm. and think about how long these changes have been happening. We've really seen these, you know, Svante Arenas was the scientist who first did the calculations about carbon in the atmosphere in 1889 that predicted if we burned carbon, like we were embarking on, that this is what would happen. This is not new. Humans just said, yeah, we'll roll the dice. It's worth it. Capitalists. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't say humans. The capitalists, the people who made the decisions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, humans are, in, over the last 120 years are inherently bad for the planet. But historically speaking, they have very much lived in harmony. If you look at our own native population here in America, um, you know, not just the United States, but all of North America, they've lived very synergistically. And there's a very symbiotic, respectful relationship um, that I think we would all benefit from tuning into a little bit more. Like the planet isn't here for us to exploit. Like exactly. It is symbiotic. Yeah. Um, how about the real dollar cost of doing something is more than the cost of doing nothing? So just in the United States alone are climate disasters. So we're not talking about 
disruptions to the food system. We're not talking about refugees. We're not talking about having to ration water, just the number of natural disasters. So that is some drought, things like that. Between, let me get my years straight. Sorry, I want to make sure because this data also just came out. It's around 2021. So it's, this is the 2021 billion dollar disaster report. So it cost us in 2021 alone, $145 billion. So that seems like a lot of money to me. I don't know about, about you, but there was another interesting study that said to fully green the entire globe would cost us a, a, a huge price tag, $62 trillion. Okay. We can do this. It can be done. That's what it costs we would recoup that money in just six years. So holy crap, we could not have this problem anymore. Huge investment, get it done, recoup that in six years and just move on. <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Theoretically. Exactly. It's like, okay. So 145 billion, the cumulative cost for the 310 events over the last, what are we looking at? Since 1980, has been $2.15 trillion. And so that's just getting um, exponentially more expensive as time goes on because these problems are getting worse and the storms are getting stronger, the droughts are getting stronger, things are all getting, you know, getting worse and will therefore cost us more money. So we need to address it. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't know how else to, the benefits aren't just, it's really hard for me to look at this strictly through a financial lens. Because I know it's like, it almost seems like a disgusting question anyways, because it's like, like, the you, co- like the cost of doing nothing is everything. Yeah. Like you, how do you quantify a human life? Yeah. How do you quantify, you know, being hungry? How do you quantify a war, you know, and lives lost in a war over water? How do you quantify births that never happened? How do you quantify premature deaths of children from asthma and pollution? How do you... All these things don't have price tags. Yeah. What number is accept- acceptable to you? Yeah. Especially considering that a lot of these impacts are happening now. Yeah. So I'm trying to just like pull numbers of how much storms cost, but the costs are much, much greater and it can be done. It doesn't have to cost us 62 trillion, just America alone, but we can do better. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That might be the last of our questions. Oh yeah. Cause this was going to be. Yeah. There's a couple other kind of funny ones we got though. Like, can't I just sell my beach house? <laughs> <laughs> and if you can find a sucker to buy your beach property, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like how Joe Rogan sums up climate change. He's like, we're all just gonna have to move inland a little bit. It's like easy <laughs> for you to say, motherfucker, how much how many millions do you have? Yeah, he's pretty ignorant these days, unfortunately. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, don't don't go to Joe Rogan for your and if you have scientific- any uh, Oh, definitely. (laughs) I mean, like five years ago, you could have, but yeah, when he was actually back in the day, (laughs) instead of interviewing like contrarian scientists, definitely. So, if you have any pillow heads at your Thanksgiving table, and by pillow head, I mean my (laughs) pillow guy, Mike Lindell Stan, the pillow head. Do you know that I'm a pillow guy? You're a pillow I'm a head. Pillow, I'm a pillow head. I got I got pillow towels. They're pretty soft. Oh my gosh! Don't I tell got me them from my dad though. He's Don't the pillow head. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy 
them. I didn't ask for this shit. <laughs> you brought the Pillowhead merch into your house. <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Oh my god, I think it was like last Christmas. Um, yeah, he just bought a bunch of towels for everybody, oh, and like soft. had them piled in a room. Was like, everybody grab a couple, okay. couple bundles. I was like, okay. I'll never say no to a soft, fluffy <laughs> towel. <laughs> I was like, just well, don't you make me bottom. Okay, don't make me listen to Mike Lindell and I'll take the damn towel. So one of the things the pillow heads like to say is that windmills cause cancer and kill birds. Uh, so they don't <laughs> cause cancer. I think Trump said that the humming of the windmills. Do you know where that comes? Is that just like completely? I think that's just falsehood. him. Like just, <laughs> just made it up. Trump, like, yeah. yeah. And they do kill some birds and there's like ways you can mitigate that. That's like not a big deal. Because but. everything has some yeah. kind of environmental impact. Exactly. We're really talking about like, what is the best option out of all yeah, of them? Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, there's always going to be in every decision you make in our society, there's a downside. Like that was the whole, um, they show the good place where it's like, you can't be where they like score you on how good your life is. And they realize shit, nobody's making it to the good place anymore because you like buy flowers for your mom, but it was, they were grown by slave labor and shipped by a guy who's underpaid. Like and they're wrapped in plastic. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah. it was like, ding, 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 <laughs> ding, negative, negative, negative. Because it's really hard to do everything right. Which is probably why people get so frustrated because they see it as like an all or nothing It's definitely situation. not. It's a spectrum. Yeah. And it's just like about reducing where we can. And, um, and just, yeah, it's, and I think we'll talk about that a lot more. Yeah. We're going to talk about like systemic change versus like you and your everyday life changing your light bulbs. Yeah. And like, what can you do in your everyday life is... Yeah, we'll definitely get into that because there are things you can do and every purchase you make sends a market signal Yeah, telling the market what you want. Like live your morals, like if you can, you yeah. know, as much as, you know, you're, you're, we're all trapped in the society to a degree. Yeah, like, you have to live in the society as it exists while you work to change it. Mm -hmm. You can't not function because you don't like the way society is structured. That's impossible. It's like when people are like well, Bernie Sanders or, you know, whoever flew on a private jet to get here. Yeah, it wasn't ideal, but you know what? Like fighting for, you have to live in the world. A political revolution a, that could have, yeah, you could know, have potentially brought us changed a green everything. New deal or whatever, yeah. <laughs> so I think you have to weigh all those choices and there's no, like, I'm one of those people that's like, if you want to go and go on a vacation, that's, yeah, you should enjoy your life. Don't be like, I'm paralyzed. I can't do anything. I can't go on a road trip or I can't ever get on a plane because, oh my gosh, climate change. You can do both. And advocate because for it, change. Yeah. And like, whether you do that or not, Jeff Bezos is still taking joy rides into space, burning up all kinds yeah. of rocket fuel just for <laughs> with his homies. Just yeah. For, yeah. And he doesn't have to pay for the cost of that. And yeah. You know. So I think you can advocate for change and we can, we can change things and still enjoy our life too. So if you're in any of these discussions at Thanksgiving and it devolves into you're not perfect, that's where I would say, you know better isn't perfect mm -hmm. it's better is always better and you're never going to be perfect and if somebody out there is perfect like more power to you <laughs> i am not perfect yeah. Um, yeah. but i try to be better with you know every opportunity so don't get sucked into that argument either that because you're not perfect you don't have a leg to stand on because that's also not true yeah absolutely and uh 
you know, it seems like consumerism isn't exactly making any of us happier either. So there's a question there. But once again, oh, yeah. we're like opening up a bunch of yeah. cans I mean, of worms that we are, can't really answer in this episode. But yeah, these are all things we'll get into. And if you have specific questions about any of these things, we would love more interaction around the series. Like what is beneficial to you? What discussion would you like to hear? And then also after Thanksgiving, if there are things that come up that you would like us to address before Christmas before you see these people again, yeah, yeah. please also reach out because we would love to, to talk about any of that stuff. So, yeah. Like, All right. And with that, happy that was, Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't throw any like mashed potatoes or anything. Don't be crazy. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, please. We'd love some engagement. So like, subscribe, review, I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so unnatural. <laughs> Have a good one, guys.